Pivot with Purpose, a podcast that highlights the unique stories of professionals that pivoted their careers to align with their work lives and personal lives more purposefully and with more joy. Pivot with Purpose is hosted by Megan Hull, a globally accredited career and business coach and creator of the Megan Hull Method. Welcome back to the Pivot with Purpose podcast. I'm your host, Megan Hull, and in this episode, we talk to Marco Santini, award-winning New York City-based artist, fashion designer, photographer, and inventor who draws inspiration from inclusion, positivity, and language. Thank you for listening to Pivot with Purpose with host Megan Hull. You can find out more information about each guest, including full transcripts at pivotwithpurposepodcast.com. And if you'd like to share your own Pivot with Purpose, click on the share button and add your story to the conversation. Finally, be sure to subscribe and share your comments wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Your support amplifies our voice. And now, this week's episode. In 2007, Marco received a Bachelor of Arts in Linguistic Anthropology at Brown University, where he was intrigued by the relationship between communication, expression, and imagery. Santini worked at branding agencies in New York City before fully committing to the arts. His geometric style is expressed through spray paint, paint markers, window markers, acrylics, magazines, textiles, and digital art. Santini found his life purpose in 2018 to spread love and positivity as a conscious creator. He has expressed his thoughts through arts, education, and volunteering, and he speaks and paints at schools around the world, teaching students to explore their passions while turning negatives into positives. In 2019, Santini had his first solo show entitled Unity and Diversity, showcasing over 100 works at 198 Allen Gallery in the Lower East Side of New York City. His work has also been featured at the United Nations, Short Club Miami, SLS, Art Basel Miami, and Bloomingdale's, to name a few. Hi, Marco. Welcome to the Pivot with Purpose podcast. Thank you for joining us today. I'm so Thank excited. you so much for having me. Thank you. Wow. <laughs> wow. Well, no. Wow. Because I feel like I'm not worthy to be in your creative presence. I can barely draw a straight line with a ruler. Okay. So after this podcast, I think I'm going to ask you to sign up for one of your art classes. Okay, deal. I'll come to New York. You can just like teach me how to draw and paint. We're all creatives, though. I, I very much look forward to telling you about that. Oh, I can't wait to dive into our conversation. And again, thanks so much for coming on the podcast and really looking forward to sharing your story and the many talents you have. And as we ease into our conversation to start, I always love to get to know a little bit more about you and sharing with our listeners some fun facts. So let's dive into some of those fun facts before we jump into the career pivots. Do you have any other hidden talents besides being a creative superstar? Well, I used to be a drummer in a rock band in New York City. That was a beautiful <laughs> creative past. That's definitely way in the past. Anything creative and art focused, I really appreciate. I love it. Were you in a band? I was, yeah. We were called Sweet Fix. I was a drummer. It was kind of this candy pop rock type rock and roll. What? And we formed in college and made our way to New York City. And it was really just a fun way to get people together and have a party. Heck yeah, I love concerts. We all miss them. Well, now as you know, we're all getting back, definitely things are feeling normal-ish and seeing lots of things popping up here and there. But maybe you'll have to send me some of your songs. I would love that. I love music too. So 
We're on the same wavelength here. But to jump in, so where did the love for creative start? Were you an artist at a young age? Like, how did you know this was your, your path? So I've speak? always considered myself a creative experimenter. I, I was very fortunate to grow up in a house where both my parents were super creative. My dad's an architect who designed our house in this really mm. modern, bright mm -hmm. pinks, greens, and yellows on the outside of the house. Uh, I was very mm. museum funky modern on the inside and then my mom was a choreographer and dancer her whole life and really wow. just you know fostered this creative environment and really I credit my parents a lot with it because from an early age they made a very slight distinction they wouldn't ask me what I was doing but they would ask me why I was doing something and and that just slight difference really made me focus on well why am I doing this like thinking about it and and for me it was about just experimenting. I love to throw paints, to mess around. What would happen if I mixed this with this? What does this texture feel like compared to this one? And it was always really in me. I didn't really think art mm -hmm. could be a profession until much later on in my, in my life. You know, one piece of advice I give to a lot of young artists when they're trying to figure things out is anytime I had to go to a party, go to a wedding, go to an anniversary, a housewarming, anytime I had to spend money on somebody else, Rather than buy them something, I invested that in myself to make something for the, the person I was giving the gift to. And that was when I realized there was a demand, there was a connection, there was a story that people were really appreciating in this. And it started to kind of rock and roll my career. Wow. So basically in your DNA. Thank you so much for sharing that. And it's so awesome to see. I mean, you see that in a lot of young children, especially like growing with creative parents and whatnot. There's so much influence there. but. A lot of it's so innate, so that's really so cool. And you know, as I mentioned, your multi-hyphenated background in the intro and all the things you're involved in on top of art. We also talk about you in fashion design and photography. Can you share a few of your career pivot highlights and what do you feel like has been the key to those successful pivots for you? Yeah, thank you. I think that's a great question. I mean, I think I had a very narrow-minded vision of what career and job meant after college. I thought it had to be a nine to five. I thought it had to be making money for somebody else. I thought it had to be something with a lot of security. And that was definitely how I started. I worked at two Olympics with NBC in Torino and Beijing doing production work and corporate event planning. I worked in marketing and branding. I was working on these campaigns, first doing business development, then doing strategy. And I really just felt I was giving a lot of interesting creative and a lot of interesting ideas to brands that I didn't fully believe in. I felt like I had such a higher purpose. And so I tried to figure out what it was that I stood for that I could really put my full creative energy behind. It was very scary leaving the corporate world in terms of stability and yeah. where your next paycheck comes in. I was lucky to kind of hedge my bet. For the past few years, I've been working as a tutor and mentor to younger students, middle school, high school, and college, everything from ACT, SAT prep, college applications to your calculus, math, reading, English, science kind of subjects. Yeah. And that mm -hmm. was something that had a, depending on the sessions, had a, a pretty low time requirement but higher uh, hourly rate that mm -hmm. allowed me a lot of creative time to free up to do what I really wanted to do. So it's really risky. I mean, I definitely saved yeah. up a little bit and I didn't know what would happen. And I think even now as I'm preparing for uh, my first child in the, in the next hundred days, it's kind of a, a beautiful and scary time all at once. But yeah. I, I think that hopefully fully coming out of this pandemic, people are really desiring human connection. They're really desiring in-person events and, mm -hmm. and activations that are meaningful. And 
just over the last few weeks, I've had some really powerful events that have shown me the, the resilience of humanity and that people really are, are doing something special. To be part of that is just awesome. And I, I think my business is kind of you know starting to grow again because people are really desiring what I'm putting out there. Definitely. Well, thank you for sharing all that. And for so many of our listeners, especially where I'm on the career side and recruiting, are at this moment where they're like, how can I get out of corporate? How can I do the things I want to do on my own? And it's not easy. It takes a little bit of jumping into something, like you said, with tutoring or another little side hustle, but it definitely can be done. You know, you just have to start, right? We talk about this all the time. What are you most proud of, would you say, career to date? Wow. I think I definitely have a few, but probably the most exciting event that I've done and and definitely the one I'm most proud of was actually painting at the United Nations. I had this incredible event where I painted at South by Southwest at this event hosted by the European Union and I met some really great representatives from the EU and actually from the UN there. And then fast forward a few months, this was pre-COVID, fall of 2019, the International Committee for the Red Cross was hosting an event that was celebrating the 70th anniversary of the Geneva Conventions, talking about respect for humanity and what it meant for all these delegates to really continue this idea as we move forward. And I was in a room with over 100 different delegates from all different countries wearing an earpiece, listening Mm -hmm. to what they were saying about the importance of the Geneva Conventions, and then live painting their words on this canvas in the main auditorium. And it was just completely surreal hearing all these countries painting these words. And then at the end of this, as if that wasn't good enough, at the end, they actually introduced me and asked me to speak. And I got up there and told these delegates how important their words are and that their words about what Mm -hmm. they're saying have been cemented on this painting and that it's not just a respect for the people and for the people in this room, but for everyone to hold true to your word and to stay the course. And it was just really surreal afterwards to see some of the photos. And it was just kind of this dream come true of taking my message and my purpose of spreading love and positivity to some of the highest decision makers in the world and really making an impact. Good Lord. So on top of all your talents, you're also just staging world peace (laughs) step at a time. So no big deal. Wow. Where is that painting? Where does that live now? So the International Committee for the Red Cross purchased that painting. So it was in their executive's office right across the street from the UN in Midtown. But the coolest thing probably of all was that they actually used that image. I took like high res uh, photos of it. And then I made replicas for some of their biggest world leaders and developers. But then they also used that image on their holiday cards. So that image of what I painted got sent out to people in over 100 different countries and just Mm -hmm. was like really, really incredible. So it it kind of got dispersed to everyone in that room as a reminder. That's extremely impressive. I didn't know that. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. Super impressive. And for you, so you're in New York City. You have a studio there. Is that where you're now working full time? And like you said, things are getting busier. Are you excited to jump back into other live events? Tell us a little bit about your day to day now. Yes. So I am based in New York City, lower Manhattan financial district slash South Street Seaport area. I live in my art studio with my uh, wife and family here. And so it's kind of a very multi-purpose space. It's where I create, it's where I show, it's where I sell, it's where I Mm -hmm. host meetings, kind of everything in between. And schedule right now is really expanding and going in a lot of different directions. Last week was probably my craziest three-day week I've had at least this year where painted an all-nighter in the Hamptons. I painted from 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. This, like, 
40-foot by 20-foot mural in this pop-up shop out there um, hosted by celebrity trainer Isaac Boots. It's going to be up for this summer. Oh, I love Isaac. We connected at an event a few, uh, about a month ago, and he asked me to paint this mural of electric positivity with colorful geometric patterned words of, of love and positivity. And he's actually doing a really great show right now with Dr. Oz that's going to like feature my artwork and so like that was a really awesome opportunity even just to see the celebrities have been taking photos in front of that but that was like a crazy project so I went all the way out east for that and then the next day I came back to New York City just to sleep and then the next morning I went out to Philadelphia to paint a mural for a private client who saw my work at one of the schools I painted in Philadelphia and then I got back and I'm like where am I? I got no sleep in three days and it was absolutely amazing. I love what I'm doing and I feel like that's a thing I share with fans, friends, people who are interested in the creative world is that, you know, finding your flow, whatever that is, is, is super important. And like I'm painting this 12 hour shift overnight and I had to remind myself like, hey, go drink some water, go to the bathroom. Like I could be just going for hours and hours on end and, and just forget about time and space and I love it. But, you know, I gotta be uh, at your peak performance here to be, you know, doing I well bet. so oh, I can imagine it was just yeah. it's, it was a beautiful three-day trip so yeah my schedule is very up and down right now I'm focusing on two different commissions that I have in my art studio so that's going to take up most of my time this week I'm painting at a camp next week and looking into another mural next week so it's just kind of a little bit of everything and I, and I love it that way it's not really the same it, it's always a custom creative solution for each client project team that I'm working with and I love that just feeling that energy and passion even through this conversation that's the key to like falling into the dream job where it doesn't feel like a job where time you lose it and you're just so immersed other than the days I'm sure you remember in corporate you're like I don't want to set my alarm I want to get up <laughs> I mean we're still feeling that now so take Marco's advice everyone follow those uh, passion projects and you certainly can turn them into something where you're waking up every day feeling super inspired and energized and maybe on the days you're not feeling so inspired as a creative I can imagine there's days you're drained or you're having blocks and I try to write a lot but some days I'm like eh. I mean again you can't be good every day but where do you draw on your inspiration to stay motivated to get a project done if you're feeling off or not inspired yeah great question so I think a few things whenever I'm feeling a little bit down or just not as inspired I'll either look to other artists or other creative fields that I'm really interested in to boost me up and to just get inspired from that I also feel that when you are grateful, you can't be frustrated, or when you're helping someone else, you can't be frustrated. And so sometimes I will try to help others or do some volunteering or donating with my time. That will really kind of get me out of any funk. But when it comes to a specific project, I mean, I think I started off in the creative world as like, hey, I'm gonna create what I want when I want. That's how I basically define success, is being able to, to create what you want when you want. That's really beautiful and, and free-spirited and all, but when you're working with clients and you have certain deadlines, you have to kind of become the, the more professional aspect of it where you can pull on that creativity. And I think that comes a lot with experience where whether you're motivated or not, you know you can do the project, you know you're qualified, you know that it's in your mm-hmm. wheelhouse, and you just kind of have to sit down and do it. And so mm-hmm. really just being able to sit down and get that first paint on, on the canvas or that first digital design ready really just kind of gets the ball rolling. Such great tips. And in the spirit of this podcast, we leave our listeners with a little teaser. So I'm going to put you on the spot with a yes or no question, and then we're going to go to a a quick break. So are you ready? Okay. (laughs) So yes or no. For potentially creative listening into this podcast or anyone looking to take on various projects, do you think there are some easy steps someone can take to get into the art world? Are there easy steps to get into the art world? Yes. (laughs) 
With that, we will be going to a quick break and we will pick this up when we get back. Okay, Marco, so before the break, you said yes. What can a creative listening in do to maybe get themselves started in the industry? Or what advice would you give for someone looking to begin their career? So I think I should clarify my answer, which is that I think Mm -hmm. it is easy to get into the art world. I don't think it is easy to be successful in the art world. So Mm -hmm. I think getting into the art world is really a matter of getting the materials, messing around, experimenting, finding what you like, and trying out new ideas seeing where your voice takes you. Is it a character? Is it a word? Your brand? What is your design scheme? I think that's really important to have kind of that signature style Mm -hmm. as an artist. And I think to Mm -hmm. start out, it's really important to learn from the the greats, to learn from the best artists of all time. I think if you want to be the best, you have to learn from the best. So I read a lot of the bios from Basquiat to Warhol to Herring to Calder to Matisse and just really trying to figure out what they did, how they made it to where they are, and what kind of tips I could take away from that. But for for listeners who are just interested in the art field, I think you gotta take that step of trying out new materials, seeing where it takes you. And like I said earlier, I think a great way to figure out, not necessarily where you should be going, but at least getting some kind of reaction is giving away your art in the beginning for free to friends, to family, as Mm -hmm. gifts, and to Mm -hmm. see where that goes. As I was saying before, I was doing that, and what really took off for me was this idea of these wedding paintings that I started doing. So I believe that love is this juxtaposition of reality and fantasy. And so I would take these wedding photos that professional photographers would take, or sometimes I would take them, and I would leave the couple completely in reality as they were in the photo. But then around them I would paint this mystical, creative, beautiful, geometric, colorful design, sometimes hiding words that are important to the couple, kind of bringing out this mystery and this fantasy of it. And I started doing these for some of my friends, and it soon took off where people would be asking me, hey, can you do that for my friend, or could you do this for this? And I like, had no idea who these couples were, and I was making these paintings, and I started to see a demand, and I started to charge, and it was really from there. But yeah. that wasn't the first style or the first idea I had. I had tried many things and failed or created things that I thought was cool that other people didn't think was cool. And I think that that's really a tricky aspect of the art world is that there is so much out there. Mm-hmm. and you have to figure out what is important to you. Is it what you find cool and what you want to do? And is it for you or is it creating for an audience? And in which that case, hopefully that audience is respecting what you do, but sometimes they're going to want you know, their own version of it. And I feel like every creative collaboration is this tango between you and the client where sometimes you lead, sometimes the client leads. But in between there, if, if they're leading 100% of the way, like I'm not just going to be your physical hand to go draw something. Like If you want that, you can go get somebody else. Like I want to put my stamp on it and be proud of the work I'm doing that has my influence and my ideas. On the other end of that spectrum, sometimes it's really beautiful when a client completely trusts you and gives you complete creative control saying like, hey, I love what you're doing, go do Mm -hmm. whatever it is you want to do and I will believe in that. But to answer your question, I think it's definitely starting out with interesting activities. There's a lot of great videos on YouTube, Instagram, social media that you could learn techniques from. Just trying something I think is the really first and toughest step. Hmm. Well, such great advice. And like you said, pick your lane or stay flexible, stay open-minded, get your work out there. I think in any creative space at the beginning, you may not be breaking the bank, but that's how you get notoriety as someone's like, Ooh, where'd you get that? People ask me like, what's your coffee of the day? (laughs) We're not (laughs) crushing it, but that is um, such great advice. So thank you for sharing that. 
And with that, as I shake the goosebumps off, I really want to dig into April of 2020. And don't worry, everyone, we're not going back to the pandemic talk and doom and gloom. It's actually something so beautiful that I knew you were involved in with, I think, potential like Bloomingdale's collaboration Soho. Like you can walk me through the timeline, but during the pandemic and also where we were working through Black Lives Matter movement and the marches, truly your art was front and center. Can you tell us the story behind that? As I know you were featured in some pretty visible media. Thank you. Yes. And there's actually a really interesting backstory and lesson to that that I'll quickly share. My wife was teaching uh, an equinox uh, in New Jersey. The manager there had written that I was an artist. We went to school together. He really liked my work. He asked me to create a deck for him. I created this pitch deck thinking I could create something there. And after all this, you know, positive encouragement, he said there, there was too much red tape. I couldn't do it. And I was really deflated. And, and being deflated is something that happens when you're creative, when you get rejected or when you don't get the project you thought you were going to get. But I stayed true. I had a positive relationship with him. His now wife, but I guess at the girlfriend at the time, saw my presentation deck and was like, if you're not going to work with him, I am. And she mm. turned out to be one of the head marketing managers at Bloomingdale's. And so we mm-hmm. did an event at their pop-up location in 59th Street around Valentine's Day 2018, I guess it was. And the event did so well. Within a few weeks, they'd asked me to paint windows, do another event, come back. Just one event. And the popularity and the people coming in and supporting and buying and, and really proving that, that you could you know, stand your ground pushed me into this incredible relationship with Bloomingdale's. They've really believed in my creative potential here. And I've worked together now with them in mo- many different locations and probably over 20 different events. But that brings me to the question you asked me to, which was April 2020, all of Soho boarded up their stores, didn't know what was happening with COVID. And Bloomingdale's, a general manager there in Soho, reached out to me and said, hey, we're completely boarded up. Everything is you know, these black wooden boards. We trust you. We've done all these events with you. You can have complete creative control to do whatever you want. And at that point, I hadn't gone out of a two-block radius of my apartment for probably a month, month and a half. And I said, you know what? My purpose in life is to spread love and positivity. This aligns with it. Despite the fears and the craziness of this pandemic, I'm going to make this happen. And I got in an Uber for the first time in like two months with all my paint. I went up there. And they basically brought me out a ladder and then I was like left to my own self for the whole day. And it was more eerie than like early Sunday morning in the city when everyone's sleeping in and nobody's on the streets. Like it was worse than that. And this was in broad daylight, middle of the day. It was Earth Day 2020, April 22nd. And I decided that I, I was inspired by the first responders and essential workers who were putting their lives on the line, who were helping us get through this tough time. And I wanted to basically brighten up the streets for them, the few people who were on the streets going to work, delivering things. I wanted this to be a thank you to them. So I created this mural of appreciation for first responders and essential workers. It had love in many languages. It had bright, colorful, geometric designs with messages of encouragement and positivity. You know, 7 p.m. was on there for when we would clap. You know, historic and friend and family and trust and unity, like all these positive words were there. And I remember leaving it and, and thinking, like, despite all the frustration and fear I had in it, like, it was worth it. And, like, there was one person, I was at the top of this, like, 15-foot ladder, and I'm getting up there, it was really high, and this total stranger just walks up to me that day and, and asks if I need help and holds the ladder for me. Like, Aww. when we're all wearing masks, we're wearing gloves, it was just, like, such yeah. a beautiful moment of human connection, despite it all. Mm-hmm. And... I create this mural, I come home, I'm super proud of it, it gets some press, it's in Time Out New York, it's in a few different blogs, and, and the last thing, this is quite uh, unique, 
The last thing I did before I left the space, I was stopped by two pairs of cops that day. One pair of cops was called on me because they thought I was vandalizing it. So I was like, all right, that's cool. And then the second pair of cops came and they just wanted to check in on me because I'm one of the only people on the street. And I asked them if they could move this cop car. It was centered perfectly on the Bloomingdale's entrance. And I wanted to get this wide shot of the whole mural. And they told me, unfortunately, this cop car lives here. It doesn't move like it's meant to show that there's you know, police presence and security and safety in the area. And I was like really frustrated. I'm like, man, I wanted to get that wide shot. Mm-hmm. And I was leaning on the back of the cop car, like just getting as wide of a shot as I could. And then a few really weeks later, after George Floyd's unfortunate killing and the whole protests mm-hmm. in Soho, there was this iconic image of a cop car being burned down in front of my mural of appreciation. And one of the best parts of the story is that I painted a restaurant for a friend in Soho, and the owner of this restaurant was biking down Broadway within the one hour that the cop car was actually on fire. And Mm. he photographed this and sent it to me, and those photos are wild. But then the Mm. next day, this image of the cop car, this burned down cop car in front of this bright and colorful, fun, positive mural, was just such a powerful image of this juxtaposition of the love and positivity for the first responders and essential workers and everyone doing their part, mixed with the frustration Mm. and and just, you know, Mm. downright upset nature of the protest and everyone really fighting for equality and justice. And so the New York Times had this image on their website for three days as the icon Mm -hmm. saying, follow what's happening live in the protests in Soho with this Mm -hmm. image of my artwork and the cop car. And it was just this crazy way to be in the New York Times for the first time. It was the biggest press piece I got to date. I'm told it was one of the most searched images during COVID in New York City. It was just this really powerful image that really kind of summarize the times and I, I showed you mm-hmm. earlier the piece that I have mm-hmm. in my, my apartment that shows that the mural was born with such love in my heart and it became so much more than just a mural and I just find myself you know really fortunate to have a partner like Bloomingdale's that's really trusted me creatively and, and given me the freedom to do what I love to do well and how it started with Equinox I mean if someone says no another person is going to say yes, and where does that lead? That's a huge lesson as a creative, to not take a no as a final answer, to be friendly. You never know when a no can become a yes. There's many times I've been told, oh, there's no money, there's no budget for this, and you stay on somebody, you're friendly. Not just because there could be a potential job, because, you know, relationships are a huge aspect of any business, but those can sometimes turn into it, and it's just uh, it's just a beautiful, crazy ride, this creative journey. Absolutely. Well, do you see creative and roles evolving as more and more people want to take control of their own destinies, as we were talking before, and jumpstart a business in art or in the fashion industry? What are you seeing, and how has it changed since you made this pivot? What does that space look like right now? Creativity allows us to be better storytellers. It allows us to share what we're thinking, what we're feeling visually in a way that can convey it a little bit more easily. And that's where I feel like creators kind of set themselves apart from non-creators in this world where everything's being taken over by artificial intelligence and automation. Mm -hmm. Creativity through word, through poetry, through music, through art really kind of sets people apart. And so I find that through the resilience of people coming back after COVID, it's really becoming more powerful and more people are interested in it, more people are realizing the the value in my messaging and want to be part of it. So 
I think mm -hmm. you know I'm still learning skills. I'm trying to learn animation. I'm improving my Adobe Illustrator skills uh, as much as I can. Like there's always more ways that we can use to express ourselves. And I think anyone listening out there can look at all these different tools, you know, as their different weapons in their arsenal of creativity. I'm going to give you a couple of hot seat questions as we wrap up here. So question one out of two, what's the best career advice you've ever gotten? Ooh. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I've gotten a lot. I'll probably say one that I thought was the worst career advice at the time. It turned out to be the best, which was my father at a really early age told me it's not about how good you are. It's about who you know. And I think this was like mm -hmm. as I was going to college, and I was like so pissed about that. I'm like, no, it's about hard work and great, right. you know, and, and being the best and talent and, and raw skill, and that's great and all. But there is an aspect of human connection that cannot be matched. I can't tell you how many jobs I've gotten from people who we've gone to the same high school or same college, or been in the same group, or randomly met here, and it's it's those connections. You might not be you know, the best artist, but you're in the right situation at the right time. And for me, one of the greatest lessons in the art world is that people don't want artwork on their walls, they want stories. The mm -hmm. Stories are the greatest piece of creativity. And it's that aspect of being able to say like, I met this artist here and we did this and this is how this piece came to be. They're mm -hmm. sharing your story, they're putting that out in the world, they want to be the owner of that story and, and disseminate that out to the world is really powerful and that's why I think a lot of my art is really connecting with people because I do a lot of custom work where you know with my custom one love pieces I have my one love design in the, in the heart with love in over 80 different languages meant to symbolize that there's more that unites us than divides us but one of my best pieces is using that for what I call my modern family crest where families will give me anywhere from 20 to 100 words, names, mm, sports teams, pet them. names, cities they've lived in. Sports teams. <laughs> yeah, you name it. And, right, and, I, and I paint it around my One Love logo, and it's this customized oh. version for them that just wow. summarizes their whole family. And it's that storytelling aspect that people really, really love. Absolutely. So connection and valuing people uh, I find so important in business and in life. Yeah, 1000% agree. We talk about all the time, networking, leveraging networking, that's how every, people are getting jobs. It's not just grinding it out on LinkedIn and sending out 10,000 applications, it's two uh, phone calls to people that can move you forward. And who do you know? And Authentic networking. Yes, amen. Talk about that a lot too. So, wow, great answer, thank you. And then second, what would you tell your younger self? I would tell my younger self Oh man, if there were a few lessons I could have learned earlier, I think getting rid of FOMO is so important. I think social media allows us to easily see the successes of other people and opportunities and all these interesting things that are happening. And once I switched my mindset, I'd like to say I've switched it fully. I think I do have setbacks. But once I realized like, hey, I'm rooting for other artists to do well and to have these great opportunities, I'm not in competition with them. I'm in competition with myself. I'm not mm -hmm. worrying about all these other crazy opportunities or things that come up. If there was a way to learn that earlier, I think I would have been a lot healthier mentally. And really just to stay the course. I think by finding my life's purpose of spreading love and positivity and expressing that through art and education, it's just allowed me to be the truest version of myself. That I wasn't always necessarily when I was in the corporate world, when I was doing mm -hmm. different projects. And I think it's that authenticity that comes through and just allows me to be happier on a day-to-day -day level, which allows me to create with freedom and to yeah. explore. And 
not be as afraid. I think that the fear of what would happen if I made the switch and, you know, where would the money come from? How would I pay for health insurance? Where would this and that? It was like, you know, sometimes the fears are worse in your head than they actually are in real life if they were to happen. And yeah. I, I think, you know, word of this year, maybe word of the creative mindset is really resilience, being able to pivot with purpose, to be able to come up with new ideas and to figure out what works, what doesn't, how you're going to you know, figure out. There's just a lot of problem solving. And I think that we become better with every problem that we solve. Well, thanks for the drop of the podcast. Um, <laughs> I didn't pay him anyone. You literally could not have said that more beautifully. I hope everyone puts this podcast on repeat because you need to. You have so much beautiful advice and thank you so much for sharing. And obviously you and I will continue our wonderful relationship. I can't wait to come back to New York and see you and get some art and throw some words your way to get our own family crest going. With so many great pieces and other art offerings, how can listeners check out you know, what you have to offer on your website and maybe the best way to find your art, purchase, any other upcoming shows? How can we find you, stay connected with you? Yeah, so I'm really one social media, which is Instagram, which is at underscore Marco underscore Santini underscore. That's three underscores, unfortunately, but had to keep them symmetric. And then my website is marco-santini.com. That's where I have all the pieces for purchase and work, both all my prior work, my murals, my education, my work with the UN, the window paintings mm-hmm. I've done, digital work, kind of the full gamut of my creative calendars in there. And also accessories like awesome hoodies and other things you can purchase custom made by you, which I imagine, I mean, really, yes. really special. So we'll link everything in the show notes and on the web. Marco, you are truly an inspiration. This conversation made my day. And I want to thank you for sharing your beautiful art that I know comes from love of what you do in your soul and putting your incredible work and talents into the universe. I can't wait, as mentioned, to get back to New York so I can visit you in person. And I wish you continued success in all your various ventures. You are amazing. Thank you so much for this awesome podcast. There's an open door policy here to come visit my art studio. I look forward to meeting you in person. Absolutely. Thanks so much. Have a great day. Hey, everybody. It's time for another Megan Hool Method Takeaway of the Week. This week, I want to talk about protecting your energy and setting boundaries. Listen, no one is happier than I am to have our economy back, booming, people getting hired again, businesses thriving, restaurants full capacity inside and out, traveling to all of our favorite places, all the things. But on the flip side, where we spent so much of last year with ourselves, how are you protecting your energy as you are thrusted back into reality in hectic schedules? In my conversation with Marcos today, We talked a little bit about FOMO, but on this side of it, I get it. I had major FOMO last year, spending many days really sad that I could not be with friends, family, but if 2020 taught us anything, we all had no choice but to embrace the pause and stay present in our daily lives. Fast forward to today, does anyone else out there feel like a light switch was flicked on and we all went from zero to 100 real quick? Here's the thing. Protecting your energy and setting boundaries is still important and needed more than ever as we transition into this new normal, which feels normal, but I know many people are still struggling to get behind those social aspects so quickly. And you know what? It's okay. My words of advice for you if you're starting to feel burnt out and overbooked or stressed to jump back into a packed social schedule, just say no and prioritize what is important to you. As the saying goes, if it isn't a hell yes, then it's a hell no. Do not need to join in on every friend's party, 
summer event, after work event, family gathering. Trust your gut and commit to what's best for you and your mental health. Protecting your energy and setting boundaries is something that takes time. But if you really focus on the tasks, the event, the people in your life that will uplift you and not feeling like a drag, trust me, you will be a better overall human for yourself and everyone around you. There's no need to pour from an empty cup or stretch yourself out until you're like a worn rubber band. Make a daily, weekly, monthly list of some of your priorities, tasks, events, work commitments, write them down, maybe cross some of them off, but make sure there's time in there for you. I encourage everyone listening to spend at least one hour away from technology and do something that you wanna do. Hey, maybe you'll even have JOMO, which is the joy of missing out. I hope you found these tips helpful and stay tuned for more Megan Hool Method tips this season on Pivot With Purpose. Pivot With Purpose with host Megan Hool is a fashion consort production and part of the FC Podcast Network. It is produced and directed by Phil, a.k.a. Corinne. And a special thank you to Spencer Powell for our theme music. Learn more at pivotwithpurposepodcast.com and be sure to follow us on Instagram at pivotwithpurpose underscore podcast.